by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. One of our favorite segments of the week is when we get a chance to talk with Wyoming Game and Fish. And, uh, you know, it's always informative because there's information that people think they know, but maybe they don't really know. And Janet, I think it's our job to let them know. And one I think that is a little bit confusing to a lot of folks is public access areas. We brought in Matt Pollock because he is the go-to guy with the knowledge that is like gold. The great part about living in Wyoming is the public access areas that we do have. And and Matt, it's, it's your job to make sure that these areas are taken care of. Yeah, thanks, Drew. The great things that we do in uh, the, the Wyoming Game and Fish Department is we work very hard to ensure that people have the opportunities to go out and recreate, uh, whether that be hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we work really hard at that. We've got two access programs. Uh, one that I'm sure most people are aware of, it's kind of our high visibility one, is called the Access Yes program. The other access program is the uh, program that I work with, and that is the Wyoming Game and Fish Commission owns or leases a variety of property across the state, and it's my job to manage those. We typically divide those uh, areas into two different types. Uh, one we call wildlife habitat management areas or a WHMA. Uh, those are places that uh, are typically large pieces of property, thousands of acres typically we manage for wildlife habitat, crucial wildlife habitats. The other type of properties that we uh, have are what are called public access areas. Those can be areas that we own or an awful lot of them are private lands on which we have a, either a long-term or a permanent easement. And an easement is um, basically a property right. Well, one of the rights that we typically buy is for pedestrian fishing access. We also uh, have other areas, uh, what we call public access areas that have hunting opportunities. We have some that have uh, camping opportunities and we have many with boat ramps available also. In uh, the Casper region, we have 27 public access areas. Uh, of those, there are 22 that are uh, located along a stream or river, uh, and they go anywhere from Medicine Bow River arm of the Seminole Reservoir, all the way up kind of following the arc of the, of the Platte River to the Converse County line. Uh, at Orange Junction Bridge. Are have, all of these areas accessible to, to everyone, the, the public access areas? Yeah, for the most part, all of our public access areas are open year round. So it can be kind of confusing, Drew. And so one of the things that I suggest for folks is that you get online to the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. And there's on our homepage, there is a green button that says public access. As you kind of click through those options and find what we're calling public access areas or PAAs, there is a list of all of them in the state. There's lots of opportunities for people to to get out and there's no reason to be sitting at home and inside. We work pretty hard to, uh, we're constantly on the lookout for uh, other 
access opportunities. But we we try to work hard. I work hand in hand uh, with our fish uh, fisheries management crew and our lands uh, department to identify uh, other opportunities. And we like to be able to have places spaced out along the river where you can make a nice float. But we're we're constantly looking for uh, for areas to access especially the, the North Platte River, because it is such a tremendous resource for fishing. Is there like a vehicle access to the majority of these public access areas? Yeah, every, sa- every, every single yeah. one of them have a, a at least a parking lot. Some of them, once you get in the parking lot, then you might have to, to hike a little bit, like uh, say at uh, Big Muddy Pond, which is, is just east of town. A uh, great place to go uh, do some fishing in the pond itself, but then uh, you can also access the river and do some bank fishing along the river. Now, are these public access areas, are they set up so anyone can use them or are they directed? We try to work towards our constituent group and our constituent group primarily are hunters and anglers. And so they're there primarily uh, for the hunting and fishing opportunities. That's not to say that you can't bring your family along and have a good time. At most of our areas, we don't have a picnic table or, or a, a pergola or anything for you to, to sit under. One great exception to that is out at our North Platte Flycasters slash Jessica's Pond public access area. At the pond itself, you have an excellent opportunity to catch fish. It's a beautiful area. And we do have some picnic tables and little shelters there and some nature trails and all kinds of fun stuff it's it's a, a and it also has a, a handicapped fishing pier uh so it's a great great uh place to go and and uh, especially bring out the family it's a great place for kids to go fishing the first time because they they stand a really good chance of catching a nice fish the the hatchery guys oftentimes drop uh, some of their brood call fish in there so those are larger really catchable type uh, fish. And uh, it's it's a productive lake uh, or pond. So the fish grow really well in there. And, and uh, it, like I say, it's just a fantastic place to go catch a fish. And then we, you can also access uh, the river from there too. So it, it really is option for lots of people to come out and check that out. And Matt, I know that you and I have talked a few times in the past that you guys work really hard to maintain all of these public access areas. And uh, there are some people that get a little unruly in uh, in some of these these areas and probably need to treat it a little better than than they have. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that's that's great that you bring that up, Drew, because one thing uh, about the public access areas that I was alluding to earlier is the fact that many of our public access areas are on private land okay and it may be one thing let's say you're out with a bunch of buddies and had a couple beers and maybe you got a axe to grind against the game and fish and you want to shoot up a sign or something don't give people ideas (laughs) but uh you're actually hurting in in many cases a private landowner uh who has been generous enough uh, to to open up their property to allow uh, for public access. So so please treat those with respect. Treat them like they're your own property. 
There, there have been videos floating around a, a little while of some of the uh, the bathrooms not being treated properly either. And, you know, people always complain about maybe there aren't enough facilities around the area. But when you keep shooting up doors and busting doors off and things like that, it, it just really is irritating that, that people continue to do things like that. Yeah, we spend a lot of money, close to $100,000 a year. Uh, replacing signs, uh, and a lot of that is is due to vandalism. You know, those those are licensed dollars that are essentially kind of being wasted. Really, when they could they could be going to something like a habitat treatment, uh, but instead we're having to replace a sign because people are disrespectful and and, and whatnot. But uh, you know, we we work hard to uh, a lot of the, the the areas have comfort stations or outhouses hire contractors typically to, to maintain those. And uh, during the summer months when, when we get a lot of high use, at least in the Casper area, they're hitting those two times a week uh, so that they try to keep them maintained uh, and, and nice and, and, and attractive for you to use. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a big job uh, keeping all those up and clean and, and well-maintained, uh, but we're working hard at it. Talking with Matt Pollock and uh, Janet Millick from Wyoming Game and Fish Department about public access. Now, Matt, what's the best way for people to really get to know what areas are available? If you want uh, more information uh, on public access areas, our website is a is a great great resource: wgfd.yo.gov/public-access, uh, or as Janet mentioned earlier. Uh, up in the kind of upper right-hand corner, there's a green button that says public access. Get on there, click that button, and there's several different ways you can access that information. If you know uh, the name of a specific place, also we have a, an interactive map. You can click on the on that dot, and it'll give you more information. And then also there's a, a third way that uh, let's say you're interested in access areas that have boat ramps. You can click boating and it'll give you a listing of all the access areas throughout the state that have boat ramps. Yeah. And and again, online, wgfd.wild.gov, the map is interactive. So you can actually click on every one that is there, every one you want to find out and get all the, the information, whether there's a fire ban or, or not or any of that. So it's really cool and interactive. It's a great part yep. of the website. I'm not a tech guy, but one thing that is pretty cool is you can down, if you go to that, that the website, you can download georeference PDF maps uh, for your phone so that uh, you can know where you're at on the, on that access area and know, say, when you're coming up to a boundary or something like that. Matt Pollock, Janet Millick, thank you guys so much. Get out and use the public access areas that we have that are well-maintained and perfect for anything you need. Thanks, Thanks, Drew. Hope to see you out there. It's Wyoming Hookin' and Hunting Outdoors. Welcome back to Wyoming Hookin' and Hunting Outdoors. It's Drew and Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports in a different location today, Brian. One that, well, I don't know if it gets much better than than this. Now we're down here at Glendo uh, Reservoir, and it is fantastic. The weather and the rain hasn't developed today like it has over the last couple of weeks, so we're hoping that'll hold out. And you're down to fishing a, a different tournament this weekend, and this is what they call pre-fishing. 
Yeah, we're just uh, we did go out and catch a limited just eaters for you, so you could uh, take those home. But uh, yeah, we're we're just uh, on the hunt now for some big fish, and uh, you know, fortunately, we just we just got done landing a nice twenty-seven incher. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's always fun to to see those big ones come up, and you know, when they come up, the cameras come out, and it's always nice to see that people still love getting out and showing off what they're what they're catching and. You know, out here you catch some good ones. Yeah, it was fun. We had a big playboat there, and you know they're cheering us uh, when we caught it. And uh, I think their faces were a little surprised when we let it go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Heading into the store, I know that there are, are a lot of folks that are just like that family. They're out and they're enjoying the water. And and I even saw, I think Dad was was fishing while the kids were swimming around. And uh, obviously, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports a great place to go to make sure that everything is taken care of on the safety side as well as the fishing side. Yeah, you know, this is the time of year where people are just kind of starting to really get out and enjoy the, the weather, and uh, whether it's fishing or, you know, you're, you're kayaking or, or, you know, on a paddleboard, what, whatever the case is. You know, we've got a full line of life jackets, uh, paddle, paddles, uh, everything you pretty much need to get out there. Which, and obviously there's so many opportunities here around us to be able to take that. If you're going to float the river or if you're going to come down to Glendo or head up to Alcova or Pathfinder and just kind of get away, it's a great opportunity and a great time of year. Yeah, you know, the uh, the biggest challenge now is especially with a lot of these state parks and county parks, so the reservation systems. So, you know, you, you kind of have to plan ahead on a lot of cases. There's still some, uh, you know, general, you know, show up and pitch a tent kind of uh, locations, but a lot of them are going to reservations. So make sure you've got your state park passes, get get yourself registered and get online and, and book your day so that uh, you can actually get out and enjoy them. When we were here at Glendo last week, you know, the cabin system is great that they have here again, a reservation system. But, uh, you know, you guys carry a great line of cots and and sleeping pads. So if maybe you're in a cabin situation, I mean, that's a perfect opportunity and option. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's other other ways to enjoy the outdoors other than just, you know, camping. And, and there's a lot of locations where, you know, uh, Sloan's in uh, Alcova, they've got some, some nice cabin setups. And there's some other cabins and Airbnbs in those areas. So don't let that hold you down, especially, you know, right now when we've got those afternoon thunderstorms and stuff. It's, it's kind of nice to be able to get into, a, yeah. you know, a cabin and type scenario or a hotel uh, versus being in a tent. But, uh, yeah, I mean, do what you have to do to get outside and enjoy it. Uh, also, don't forget that if you're going to take your side-by-side, you have the ORV permit. And, you know, you guys even sell the state park permits for yep. camping and day use. Yeah, you know, so uh, make sure you get that, that uh, camping permit uh, ahead of time. It just makes things a lot easier. And the ORV stickers, of course, I mean, we've just seen a ton of people, you know, renewing their, their ORVs for this year. And those are, you know, annual. They're, you know, 23, year 23 or year 24. So make sure it's not like your fishing license where it expires 365 days. Which I ran into the situation last weekend. We were down here with the uh, the Stampede, and I checked my license, and I was to the point. So this week... Uh, was June 10th is the day that I had to renew it. So luckily I paid attention to that. We talk about it Mm -hmm. enough, but you know, it's one of those things that you don't really think about all the time. Yeah, and there's just, you know, a lot of those just simple regulations where, you know, we talked about minnows also, right? If you're going to fish with minnows, you got to have a bait receipt for those. You know, most of these uh, state parks are checking for minnow receipts. Uh, no restrictions on leeches or, or worms. 
but uh, yeah, you don't want you don't want a simple um, uh, thing like that to uh, just you know take away from your weekend. Well, uh, Brian, we had to take a little quick break there. You may have heard the edit because you had to reel in a fish. I, I mean, obviously, we're out on the water. We're still fishing while we're we're chatting here, and uh, that's kind of how the fishing's been going here at Glendo lately. Yeah, you know, uh, this last week, the bobber bite with leeches and uh, worms has really uh, really kicked in. So, you know, you find a nice little cove like we're in and, and uh, set your bobbers up. And if you haven't fished uh, slip bobbers before, I mean, YouTube it, Google it, come into the store. Um, it's actually a, a really neat way of uh, being able to fish. And it's real similar to ice fishing where, you know, you set your uh, tip-ups up and you kind of put that, that bobber at the top. And uh, you can kind of set your depth with that with that line marker, they call it. But slip bobber allows you to fish anything from, you know, two foot of water all the way out to 30 foot of water. Right. And it takes care of the, the depth, by the way, that you guys have it, the, the rig set up. Yeah, really. I mean, it's very similar to setting up a, um, a tip up when if you're ice fishing. You know, we use a, a depth checker. It just kind of clips onto your hook. You send that down. There's a little uh, knot that uh, gets put above your bobber. And that um, knot slides up and down the line. And that kind of sets your depth. And and then the bobber can't go past that knot. So it's a great presentation. It's fun for kids. It's it's fun for adults. It kind of takes you back to those you know early kid days where you're just throwing a bobber from shore. And uh, when you see that bobber go down and then you're just watching it swim away from you, it's pretty fun. Yeah, and if you know talking about that, if you're taking your kids out, it's a way not to have to you know keep reeling it out and casting it out. It gives them a little chance to just kind of chill out a little bit. Yeah, it's a great time to uh, eat a sandwich. Right, absolutely. <laughs> Now, of course, you can get into uh, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports and, and check out their entire, entire fishing line. And And one of the great things about the store is everyone that's in the store loves to be in the outdoors. So they can help you in any way. And if they don't know, there's somebody else in the store that can. Now, you're fishing in this tournament this weekend, but the uh, the Wyoming Walleye Stampede, you guys had a great week last week, and we're actually going to talk to the winners, Brent and Justin, here in just a little bit, but it was kind of a slow, slow bite over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that was kind of surprising. There was, you know, some of our better anglers, you know, came in uh, on day two with, you know, one, two, or three fish. Uh, the the winners, you know, they um, on this on the second day, they happened to bounce into you know three over twenty eight inches. So they had a, a a great great day, great performance, and uh, not a lot of fish going on last week. Um, I think you know the the storms and stuff that were rolling in uh, kind of threw all those fish off. We had a full moon going last week as well, and there's still a lot of water coming into this into this uh, reservoir. So that definitely kind of changes the transition of what those fish are doing um but uh, that's what kind of makes it fun you know that that first tournament we had back in may you know the water levels eight to ten foot higher than it was so if a guy had a spot that spot's now 15 20 foot underwater right so you know you always talk about making sure you mark it and use your electronics and and trust them really because they're not going to lie to you it may be a little deeper than normal and you know you guys are going up to Seminole next so that's a totally different fish and uh, I believe it. Uh, you know, everybody goes in there kind of on even kilter. Oh yeah, Good. last the last time we fished that reservoir, I think the reservoir was sitting at about forty percent full, and right now it's over eighty five, wow. and it, it could.
should uh, get pretty close to 100%. So that's going to make that body of water really big, and it's going to definitely change the structure of where guys are, are fishing and how they're fishing. Well, if, uh, you know, you can still get into that, I believe, even until a couple yeah. weeks. Yeah, until uh, July 10th or 12th, somewhere in there. So Yeah, so if that uh, is something you might want to get into, that was kind of neat last time is you guys had a lot of uh, fresh faces where people are starting to learn about, you know, the opportunities with the, the, the tournament. And- yeah, the, you know, and, the, and the, the great thing about Seminole is, uh, is that it doesn't get a ton of pressure, and it has a lot of playboats and, and fishermen equal. It's got a ton of trout in there, so a lot of the fishermen there are targeting trout. But it is definitely a reservoir that you're going to have a good possibility of catching a personal best. That um, I've seen more 30-plus inch fish out of that reservoir than any other reservoir. And like Glendo, it gets a ton of pressure. So to see the quality of fish that are in here, I mean, there's a big kudos to the anglers that are out there that are releasing fish. But um, Seminole, it's a, it's 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 a crazy it's a crazy body of water. Uh, the only real negative part is that is you kind of have to you're you're going to be dry camping or staying at one of the state parks, um, or trans traveling back and forth to Rollins, um, which isn't terrible. I mean, it's a 20, 30 minute drive from Rollins, so if you stay in a hotel there, it's it's not terrible, but. Um, it's a great fishery. I mean, it's got, you know, the main body of water, but it's fed in by the medicine bow arm and the plat arm. And both of those come together to make Seminole Reservoir and uh, some fantastic fishing going on there. Well, it's going to be a, a fun summer of fishing, camping, hunting, and whatever you want to do outdoors. Make sure you stop in a Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. The Wyoming Walleye Stampede, number two, is wrapped up here at Glendo. And the winners, Justin and Brent, you guys uh, fished two great days and uh, came out with a big win and the uh, $10,000 check. That's got to feel pretty good. Feels really good. <laughs> yeah. We've been closed a bunch of times and finally we uh, put two days together. He did it all today. I helped out yesterday and it yeah. was just enough. Yeah, the bite changed both days, two different bites. So we, we just changed kind of with the bite. It was really interesting because everybody that came into the docks were saying, oh my gosh, I didn't catch hardly anything. And you know, you guys were consistent. So what, what did you do to like to make that consistency? Were you in the same spots or? Same spots. We just changed our uh, idea of what we were going to fish today. Yesterday we fished a whole different presentation and we kind of talked this morning that usually the day one, day two, you can't win on the exact same presentation so we we just changed it up and we decided to you know go a different route today and it paid off now presentation is a big thing at a a lake like you know glendo because there's so many different facets and there's so many different areas do you guys come in with a game plan when you're you know you're thinking this do you do you pre-fish or yeah we i we both pre-fish a lot we're lucky up here to stay with joe and Teresa wrangle it makes it easy to come up here and pre-fish and stay with them and but i was up here for four days brent was up here three so you always try to have a game plan but it never works man it always changes it changes as you're fishing (laughs) yesterday they wanted one thing today brent we had a discussion this morning and he called it and it uh it worked out paid out yeah 
it's two days, so you're you know you have a philosophy for both days. And when you come into a day like today, when they're predicting weather, you know, all day, all week, they've been predicting Sunday weather. Did you have to change anything on the fly, or was it pretty much you knew that it was going to be right on when you went with the philosophy that you had? We got lucky this morning. Brent caught a couple real big fish. And then we knew we had to have five, so he brought up that he could catch three more trolling. So just I've, to fill the box, just, we're like, just to get five fish. We knew we were close, and so we went up. He cut three trolling, and then we went back to our big fish spot, and the the last big fish cooperated. So yeah, thank yeah, goodness. Yeah, <laughs> which and obviously Ranger boats big for for you guys uh, coming from the Denver area, and it's, it's awesome that Crowley's such a big sponsor of this tournament and. The whole series it's so cool to to see that you guys are behind that well we appreciate it yep uh crowley marine we've been doing this a long time with uh the stampede great group of guys and uh it's it's hard here you know there's a there's 150 teams that can fish and, and every one of these guys is really good so um to even be in the top you know 20 is is just amazing let alone first so and yeah, i would have taken top top 25 at the beginning of the weekend so right <laughs> anything above that we, we we care more about the the wood trophies almost than we do the money right the money's nice but the, we spend a lot of time in the longer. wood yep <laughs> the wood plaque lasts longer yep. you know it, it's really nice you know the, the way the uh, the walleye stampede kind of kind of works where it's three different weeks before you go to the championship and will you guys change now you've had two weeks here at glendo and now you go up to seminole where that's going to be a totally different fish completely different bite at seminole so yeah. uh we'll pre-fish we'll try to get ready for that one um you know tends to you know we'll probably end up trolling at that one i mean it tends to troll a lot and uh we'll definitely put a few different game plans together you know you got to have different techniques you got to yeah. change yeah, well, we've, we've fished for six or seven years in tournaments, and it's just finding new spots. Yep. You know, going back to knowledge you did years ago and stuff that worked, and having a little bit of luck always helps. But oh yeah, yeah, it's all about finding spots. So, will you guys go pre-fish there, or is this going to be a blind fish? We'll, we'll put fish a, a little a bit. Days. We'll try to put two days on yeah, the water. Those are big waters big bodies of water and a lot of shoreline a lot of shoreline but well, we're gonna try congratulations to you guys it was nice to see you pull out this win and brent justin thank you guys so much no problem thank, thank you, thank you, so you much. much it's wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors Welcome back to Wyoming, Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Drew. If you have any questions or comments on the show, you can always hit us up in the app. Hit the message button. It'll come right to us. Last week, we talked to Jim Laybourne, who is with J.H. Bear Solutions. And Jim has been an avid outdoorsman for the majority of his life. Hunting in bear country has been something that he and his family has always done Jim, you and your family have really hunted in the bear territory most of your life. Yeah, you know, um, I grew up hunting with uh, my brothers and my father, and um, I really, I'm, you know, I got to admit, I'm kind of an elk-aholic. It gets under my skin, and, you know, fall comes, I get excited, I, I really start thinking about it. So safety is probably something that's always on your mind, you know, especially if you're in bear country. Well, just to hunt successfully, period. It's about planning, right? And the more you plan your hunt, the more likely you're going to be successful and not have bear problems. You know, uh, a lot of people go out and target practice, but uh, another thing to do if you're going to bear country is to get bear spray and they actually have an inert can 
which, uh, you know, just sprays out like a powder that's not, that doesn't have the pepper in it, right? So you can actually see what the can does. So it's like target practice, but with bear spray. You can get one of those and you can practice with it. You can see what it actually does, how far it sprays. And then it's more tangible in your mind. It's not just you're imagining what that spray is going to do. And I can tell you from personal experience that that stuff is wicked strong. I've, I've gotten a little little bit of it before um, in my eyes and on my skin. And I, I have no doubt in my mind that that would send a bear packing because it is, <laughs> it, it's amazing. It is really amazing what a tiny bit of that, how it burns your eyes and stuff. And, you know, they say that a bear's sense of smell is like a thousand times stronger than a human's. They get a nose full of that, man. They don't want to have nothing to do with you. Studies have even shown that it's uh, more effective than handguns as far as encounters that hunters have had with bears. And another reason that is is because you don't have to aim very well. It shoots out a big cloud out in front of you. The bear runs into it. You know, it's not like you have to hit him right in the face with it. Most people don't practice uh, shooting at uh, a fast-moving target anyway that's approaching him. So muscle memory is one of the big parts. It's not just you don't just pull it out and press a button. There's a safety that has to be taken off, and you really have to think about a lot of things all at once. So practicing is, wow, it's really important. Yeah, and I, I would recommend, you know, getting one of these cans practicing with your hunting partner, talking about it around camp. You know, the more that you plan and try to um, pre-visualize things, the more successful you're going to be. Be prepared is, is, is for sure the motto for uh, hunting, for successful hunting and safe hunting. We're talking with Jim Laybourne from J.H. Bear Solutions. Jim's been in the outdoors his entire life, and hunting in bear country has been something they that he and his family have done for a long time. Now, Jim, what are some other tips other than, obviously, bear spray that could keep you safe on a hunt? Keeping a really clean camp is super important in bear country and camping in the open. So if you camp in the open where you have a good view, you're not going to have a bear sneak up on you or anything like that. But if you're really planning on being successful, right, if your goal is to go out and get an elk or a deer, you want to have a meat pole. And you want to have a meat pole ideally before you leave camp to go hunting, right? So that you're ready. If you're successful, you got some place to bring it back, hang it up at least 100 yards from your tent, and, and have it inaccessible to bears. Because they definitely will come in once you got meat. Once you got meat, it's a totally different game. Now there's these small electric fences that, uh, that you can take with you. They even make them light enough, you know, maybe 10 pounds that you can put them around your tent. Um, if, if you feel like that's uh, something that would make you feel better, put, put your mind at ease. You know, the probably the most important thing that I would like to share with hunters that, that I've learned over the years is uh, I only hunt in the morning now when I'm in real prime grizz habitat. It's because I plan on being successful, but I also want to have all day to deal with that meat and plenty of daylight. And, and hunting can be great at dusk, but it adds this whole other level of danger. You know, you don't want to be down on the ground working on your, on your kill at dusk. You want to have plenty of light. You definitely don't want to be dealing with your meat in the dark or walking back to the camp in the dark. You know, it's a time when bears are really active, but also, you know, they can get very close without you knowing and uh, be very stressful for you. It is one of those uh, interesting things that a bear that is any size at all, if it's a big bear or a small bear, 
they have stealth skills. Oh yeah, no, it's that's totally true. You hardly ever hear a bear coming, you know. An animal with a hoof, you know, if, if you're if you're a really alert hunter, you, you hear stuff moving down the trail. And and sometimes that's what has brought me success. You know, a couple of branches snapping with, you know, somebody busting through with their with their big rack coming down a game trail, or or you hear a little clatter of rocks or something. Bears have those soft pads on their feet. They approach very quietly. I mean, usually you just see them. You don't hear anything. It can be really startling, but you shouldn't assume if you see a bear when you're hunting that something bad's going to happen. They're not 24-7 killers. I, I've had several different hunting experiences where I've seen bears a couple times at fairly close range. You know, once you get over the initial shock of seeing it, it can be, it can be shocking when you see that big elk that you've been looking for too. Right. But you just got to keep your wits together, stay calm. Just like you don't want to get buck fever and miss, you got to stay calm if you see a bear. Which is great advice, and you have lots of advice because you've dealt with this situation before. Is there any specific thing that people may not think about that you'd like them to know? Well, you know, it's it's not just my advice, but it's a lot of people's advice, is don't hunt alone. Hunt with a partner. It's much safer, but also you'll be less paranoid, which is, you know, just nervous. If you're by yourself, you might overthink the risk about a bear, a bear sneaking up behind you or whatever. You got a buddy, you got somebody watching your back. If you're successful and, and you, you're able to knock something down, when you are working on that meat, you really want to have somebody else guarding and watching to make sure that a bear doesn't sneak up on you while, while you're working on your game. But also, that's why I only hunt in the morning, because I want all day to deal with that meat. Midday bear encounters are much less likely than at twilight. So, so, so that's really a nice thing. I would say have really sharp knives. Plan this whole thing so you're planning for success, but you don't want to be there too long. Once you've got meat on the ground, that's the most serious part of the game. So, you know, I like to have these knives with uh, really sharp surgical blades that are replaceable. It starts to get dull. I'm not going to stand around and sharpen my knife. I'm going to switch blades, work quick, and try to get the hell out of there. What about when you're packing out? What What's the process at this point? Because obviously that meat is going to be really close to you. You should probably you know, have a plan on that too, I guess, huh? Well, yeah, right. No, planning is the key. Yeah, like I said from the beginning, planning is the key for a successful hunt. It's, it's a great idea to have garbage bags, cut-resistant gloves, sharp knives, and, and try not to get a lot of blood on you. But, you know, so I put a quarter in a trash bag or, you know, game, uh, sometimes a game bag and then a trash bag and then put it in my pack. It, it cuts down on the blood. It cuts down on the scent. And it, it's really a good idea. And, of course, you want to be super alert when you're carrying your meat out because you've, you've got the big time attracting right there on your back, you know. Jim Laybourne, of course, uh, man, what great information and, and very useful, especially now knowing how to react and act when these bears are around is is really important. And then once we get to the hunting seasons, it's uh, important to be ready for that. And Jim, man, we can't say how much we appreciate all the uh, information and knowledge you passed on today. Yeah, I love bears and I just want everybody to to be able to camp and recreate and hunt with bears and and uh and do it safely 
You can find out more about Jim at jhbearsolutions.org. Thanks again, Jim. That's going to do it for another episode of Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Listen on demand 24-7 at the station's app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.